Oh. I'm going to ask the first question today. All right. Um, I'm going to beat the system. When to increase prices and how to approach it with current clients? Remind me I've got a webinar sitting there. <laughs> Increasing prices. Um, okay, so I think first of all, think about the reasons why you want to uh, or you feel the need to in increase your pricing. And the reason why I start off with that is because sometimes we just go, oh, I think I should increase prices because I've been on the price point for a year, right? So I think, think about what, how your business and how your service has improved. Um, are you increasing prices because you're, you want to earn more money and you're at capacity? And I think if it's that reason um it, there's always got to be a direct benefit to the clients where they can see it and then feel it and understand it i think that's a really key thing um so just going through some kind of points to to consider um first thing is i would assess your current clients and the reason why i say that is um when you go to increase pricing you always want to or in my opinion it's always a good idea to offer them another solution, um, but not particularly a, which isn't going to meet your objective. So your objective is to increase your yield, right? So um, as a quick example, if the new price point is X amount of money upwards, then what is the other option if they can't, genuinely can't afford it? Um, would it be an option to go down to small group training? Would it be an option go, to go down to um, online coaching, a hybrid model? So the first thing is always offer them another option. Secondly, directly point out um, and, and give them a relatable value add to why you're increasing it. So it might be over the last few months you've um, improved your coaching from the check-ins it might be that you have added in some dropping coaching calls so forth and so forth um, so those are the first two things um, next thing is time frame i would always give them as a ballpark figure like at least kind of two months to get used to the idea no one likes change so immediate reactions probably might not be positive but give them time to get uh, get used to it give them time to uh, think about their options um, also have those conversations with them don't just send them an email and think they, they understand like send them an email on writing have a conversation um, with them about it um, and the last thing I would point out is increase your pricing off the back of assessing your clients on how many you perceive or think might not move up to that price point. So as an example, you increase your, if, you, if you're thinking and sitting there thinking, right, well, I might lose two clients that have been with me a really long time. They're kind of a bit inconsistent, so forth and so forth. Um, and that equals about 20% of your client base. 
i.e. 20% of your revenue, then increase it by 20%. So you're offsetting it. Um, yeah, any other, any other things I've missed? No. That's bloody fantastic, isn't it? Bloody fantastic ones. But I will release the webinar. I've got it sitting there. What are your best ideas for client community groups to connect with each other? Things such as group workouts, days out, challenges? I think probably the person who asked the question already knows the answer to the majority of the stuff that I would say because you've listed some. So don't underestimate the value in like a, a day of education. So half a day of education and half a day of social or whatever it is that you can do. You've only got to look at this weekend. Like you could definitely put on a version of that inside your own business. Um, challenges definitely work. Um, what like going for walks up hills, mountains, whatever, getting them all together that way and getting them out in the outdoors. What are you fucking laughing at? That's just a question. I'm checking. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think the majority of you as coaches will know all of the things that will bring the, the community together. Um, I think what's important is is listing them things or getting all your ideas down that you think your clients will fancy and help give put it in front of your clients for a, for a bit of a poll or a survey and ask them. Um, so then you know which to prioritize. Um, Frequency-wise, I think it's good to do something per quarter. That's just my preference. Um, or every six months, depending on your budget of what you want to invest into it and stuff like that. Clearly, you can do it a lot of this on the cheap too. Um, so if you wanted to do it per quarter, you might put a smaller budget in or you might do as much of it for free as possible. Um, but yeah, you guys know. Um, I think what's important is if you're going to do something like that, that the, the continued connection. So say, for example, you put something on um, every quarter. How can you carry on that theme in the Facebook group, for example, where maybe you all come together biweekly or monthly um, to reanalyze goals, all of that type of stuff, see each other again. Because to build a community, the, the one thing about a community is you need to see each other often. That's what really helps with belonging. It's like, it's the reason why people love going to CrossFit gyms, um, private gyms, Slimming World, Weight Watchers and all of that, because they can get used to similar people in similar situations to them who think similar, have similar values, similar goals and all of that. So if you can provide the opportunity for that to happen, even if you're a one-to-one -one coach, as frequent as possible, that's really important. So definitely spike the quarterly or half year events, workouts, days out, challenges, socials, all of that type of stuff. But also think about how you can continuously help the clients in your business um, who are one-to-one -one especially to, to see each other often because that will really create the, the belonging. That's really important in my opinion. Um, next question what's your biggest take-homes from the conference um, oh, trying to figure that out <laughs> I think the biggest the, the first initial one is how good it was to see everybody and meet everybody and yes it was yes it was about helping everybody improve their business and their mindset and all those things, but also just to 
just to hang out and get get to know people on a different different level. Um, I think that was that was a really big takeaway. I think the second one is I. I think the second one is like just the what actual conference course does for you. Like, yes, there was absolutely stacks of value from all the speakers. You know, it was like I couldn't fault anything really <clears throat> at this moment. We can obviously assess ourselves, but um, I think the collaboration of just hearing different businesses around the table and hearing other people's thoughts and the way they do things. And I think that's been a big one. And also I think, you know, because even with the one-to-one -one guys, you know, we only get one hour with them face-to-face -face a week. And I think also some of the parts where actually it strips you out of your business. There's no other distractions. And it, without standing over people it, it really forces people to to work on the important stuff do you know what i mean so i think though initially like i'm still processing it to be honest but um initially those were my kind of things and what were yours um i think the biggest takeaway was that we've built a stronger community of coaches with very similar values than I ever thought that we had. Yeah. I was surprised by that. And I think I was only surprised because you know what I'm like. I can be our own and my own worst critic at times. And I think we all can when we're self-employed and we sometimes chase a bit of, not perfection, it's the wrong thing, but I'm quite a competitive person at points and I want it to be the best it can possibly be. Um, and obviously we do this on the best part of 15 hours a week. So there is always managing your expectations on that, but also wanting it to be better and improved all the time. And I, that's, you know, you know what I'm like, and I, obviously you're the same. So I'm always on the verge of that. So what I was surprised at was like how strong the community was, how similar people was in, yeah, these pockets of different people with different goals and different values, but how similar people was in the room um, when we asked certain questions like either the majority of the room's hands were up or down. And it, yeah, it just shows that if you, I think if you market yourselves, and this is a lesson to all of you as well, and just off the back of the community question, if you market yourselves in a very authentic way and you be relentlessly and unapologetically yourselves, like we have been not getting dragged into, <laughs> not getting dragged into uh, or away from our values, then you attract something that you enjoy to be in and around more. And yeah, that's the biggest takeaway I took away from the weekend, definitely. Come on. Um, oh, is it my question? Or? No, I think it's mine. Where's dinner? Where's dinner? <laughs> um, I want to know the best way to pick out a winner to give me the best chance of maybe getting a long-term client from it. I think I know who this question is, and I think we've already supported them. Is that right? To answer it. Uh, yeah, we spoke on it yesterday, but it'd be good to get your thoughts. All right. So 
for, for context for people listening, whether it's on the podcast or on the live, um, this is off the back of doing market research um, and doing a survey to gather market research to then be able to deliver more consistent content, but also re-nurture them leads that, that have remarket to them leads that have come in, should I say. Um, the best way to pick a winner is obviously when you do a competition on the front end of something like that is to just use like a competition picker um, online. Um, and the best way of giving and making sure you get a long-term client from it is, is to, to make sure that you treat them like a like an actual paying client because there's always going to be that element of because there's no skin in the game from the winner that there's less accountability. So you need to be hyper aware of that as you bring that person in and discuss that from the off. Like one thing that we do quite often, like we're like open and honest when, when people win a competition with us, we'll sit on the first call and go, right, there's no skin in the game. Let's explore what potentially could get in the way because you're not paying and all of that type of stuff. Is it the right time? And all of that. So we do that because we've learned the hard way that we people have won competitions with us in the past. And then, kind of after the first week or two, I've just gone missing slightly. And it's expected, like, when there's no skin in the game, in a lot of cases, a lot of people don't don't value it or don't have the time or aren't ready to change. And that's just the same for business coaching as it is for for, for fat loss coaching or whatever it is that you're doing. So um, to make sure that you get a long-term client from it, I would be open and honest initially. How can we create self-accountability? How can we create the right environment? Um, make sure that you treat them as a client. Um, and I don't see why, unless they achieve what they want in the short window of time that they're with you, which is highly unlikely, I don't see why that person would not stay on. Um, so, yeah, so that would be what I would say. And the only other thing that I would say is just make sure for anyone who does do this and yourself for who's asked the question, make sure there is a, a bit of a plan to remarket to the people who have entered the survey because there's many personal trainers who do this survey and questionnaire. They'll do it, leap out the comfort zone, do the front end bit, and then there's not continuous remarketing to that group of people who didn't win the competition and haven't got much else from it. Um, so what can you do for them? How can you support them? How can you consistently de deliver value so at some point in the future that they'll hopefully raise their hand and want to come in with you? That's all I would say. Um, there wasn't... Another question under this next question. I don't know where it's gone. Um, any recommendations for a hub of sorts for client educational material? Is that the gist of Notion? Uh, Notion's kind of a, I, I mean, it, it can be obviously because like we used it for the conference. So it definitely can be 100%, um, but it's, it's, it's work. It's almost like a. Um, it's almost like a place where you can you can collaborate with like work colleagues as well, like have different workflows in there. So, it's not. It was. I don't think the functionality was originally designed for it. It just that it it can do it like you've all kind of seen. And I think the reason why we used it was. It, it's just really quick and easy. Like it's literally linking you on there versus a Dropbox or a G drive where the formulas. So it was just, a, it made sense for a bigger variety of people um, to be, to, to use that for, our, for, for the conference. Um, but it can be definitely, I think 
you know, knowing knowing who this is, I'm fairly sure Stridis would have something like this. Stridis does have something like this, but I still think it's um, in the process of developing it a little bit better. Um, mm. So, yeah, Stridis does have something like that. I, I don't know if you mentioned it then, but Notion, Kajabi, them, them types of yeah Facebook group. I think I think I think for this person because I know how much he's put into working on Stridus and it's I think actually an in, something like an interim would probably work like a Facebook group or even like a G Drive folders I think would work in the interim because you don't want to spend lots of money and lots of time creating a hub where like Ant said, maybe in six to 12 months, you know, Stridus is going to do that. And, and again, mate, the only reason why I'm saying that, I'm speaking directly to this person now, is because I know how much you're investing into getting your whole business through Stridus. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you can use Notion. Um, you do have to pay after a certain amount of people. So that might be a limiting factor for you. So if you want something as an interim, Facebook group, G Drive, drop yeah i would say those are probably your best option for the for the meantime um and also if you don't forget that if you're going to if this is for to help your clients then you've obviously got the uh an email journey as well um as well as that um there was another question there before about static stretching after training it's disappeared Um, it, the question was, what are your thoughts on static stretching post-training? I think this has come off the back of Greg's talk when he mentioned the, the evidence behind it. Was you there for that? No. Yeah, there was a question there. I just don't know why it's disappeared to me. Um, so I think it's, I'm assuming it's come off the back of what Greg said in regards to the benefits of and the signs of the benefits of um because he was talking about fillers and someone put their hand up and said, would you work on someone stretching between uh, an exercise to keep them moving? And he was like, well, there is new evidence to say that there's no benefits to static stretching. Um, so I think that's where the questions come from, because when I checked it before, it was on the 14th, who asked, the person who asked the question. So I'm assuming it's come off the back of that. Um, and they, I actually think it's a good question and uh, um, we can debate it for a couple of minutes. But I think... Where I sit with this, and clearly I don't sit down and read evidence of papers anymore or anything like that because we help PTs um, in that sense. We don't spend loads of time looking at that stuff. We wait for the more intelligent people to filter that information down and share their conclusions, and then we'll kind of look into it off the back of it. Um, and I think my spin on this is that although from what I've seen and what's been shared, there is no benefits for or against so some people will say dynamic or um, types of mobility within the warm-up and potentially putting that type of stuff within the cool-down is more beneficial if, if a person is still very much individual. And I, the reason why I feel like it's very much individual is because, like, for some of you, I'm sure you can relate, if I, if I was to do two or three, like I did in COVID religiously, two or three run wads a week or go wads a week, I individual, I feel better i i feel like i feel less pain sometimes i and that's the only thing that i would have improved during that period of time feel less pain i feel better i feel freer 
I feel better from a, from a whole movement pattern perspective within exercises. And so from an individual level, um, for, from my perspective and work still working with clients now, there is individual clients that benefit from static stretching post-workout and on their own from a recovery perspective, although the science probably doesn't um, say there is benefits there on a, on a general level and from an evidence-based level. I still think it's very individual. Um, what are your thoughts? I'd agree in regards to individually and actually having some mental benefits Absolutely. and psychological benefits. I think, I think it's also you've got to look at when, when you get that kind of, you know, this, the evidence and the research papers through, like you've got to obviously look at what the objective was originally. Like, is it, you know, it could be, is it better than X? You know, what percentage... So you got to take it with a pinch of salt, definitely. I mean, you obviously got to look into the evidence and whatnot and counter evidence and whatnot. But I think, I think we can all kind of sit here and say that, you know, static stretching does have a place. Mm-hmm. Um, now, to what degree, you know, that has a place? Well, if you're doing it at the end of a session to lengthen the muscle to increase, uh, mobility to reduce pain or to aid in recovery there's probably some very strong arguments against that you know mm-hmm. long term well, that's what but, the evidence says that it, that's it's yeah. yeah but you know you could some people might sit there and say well pnf stretching is kind of static to a certain point where so i think you've got to learn i think you've got to take it case by case first of all um obviously mobility mobility lengthening and shortening the muscles in a controlled manner um to help that mobility and range of motion is a huge benefit to everybody i mean i think we can all agree because if we just constantly tighten tighten and shorten and shorten and shorten the muscles which is what we're doing through resistance training well that's obviously going to create some imbalances somewhere so I would say that you take it case by case, take it by individual by individual. Um, I definitely think there's a place for it, if not physically to actually improve mobility, range of motion, flexibility. Um, it's going to definitely help with psychologically. Yeah, and I think if it is off the back of Greg's talk, the way he delivered this is, is it giving the person that you're coaching the biggest bang for their buck for their time? And in a yeah, lot of cases, uh, yeah, hundred percent. In a lot of cases, it isn't. And you, you, you work at, you look at the biggest barrier to exercise is time. And whether you, whatever your views and opinions on this, it doesn't really matter at this moment in time. Um, so you guys, as busy people, you probably struggle sometimes to fit in. You know it helps with recovery, but you struggle to fit that in. But what you might be able to do is incorporate within your warm up or filler exercises within your program some mobility that will aid with <laughs> um, the flexibility and mobility of you or of that client. So these potentially things that you can do that give you a bigger bang for your buck. And I think that's the angle that he was coming at yeah. um, from that. Um, but yeah, but obviously the evidence turns around and says the, the benefits are, are minimal. Um, so yeah, very much case by case. Good question, though. We haven't had a question like that for a while. Yeah, that's true. Cool. Is there any more? No, that's it, mate. That's it. Anything, anything in the chat? That's it. That is a lot. 
Any final thoughts, Nicholas? No, I'm pretty hungry today, though. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yesterday, <laughs> I smashed a few of them cookies that were left over. Thanks for uh, leaving oh. them in the room. Oh, man. Yeah. Right then, people, we will uh, leave you to it. Have a good day. Have a good week. See you soon. Later.